Wonderful. So we're in a series doing Dream Church and we're looking at the church in Antioch. And uh, today I want to touch on how generous the church in Antioch was. And I want to tell you a little bit of um, our story. In 1989, I moved from Townsville down to Newcastle to go to uh, a ministry missions uh, sort of Bible college run by an organisation called Life and Aid. And that's where I met Steve, and uh, by the end of that year, we were married, and we stayed with that missions organisation for about five years. And I think there's a photo. That's our Motley crew, and try and find us in there if you can. Um, one of the things that Life and Aid taught me was about generosity. I was one of those tithers, you know. When I became a Christian, I became a tither to the cent, Okay, so when I tithed, it was to the cent. Not a cent more, not a cent less. Right to the cent. That was the kind of tither giver that I was. But when I went to Life and Aid, I learned a whole thing about generosity, about giving beyond. Because, you see, we were wanting to do mission trips. We wanted to go overseas. We wanted to preach the gospel. We wanted to plant churches. That was our dream and our passion. But, you know, we were at college working part-time, and uh, the money didn't quite reach. And so we had to... Stand and pray and believe God and see his provision come in. And we saw incredible generosity. Uh, Steve and I, after two years at college, we were um, moving and relocating to the UK to help establish the missions organisation over there, do outreach work into Eastern Europe. And uh, we were, you know, obviously only working part-time going to college and how were we going to find the money? Next photo. This, that, who's that man? It's a strange-looking fellow. Jeez, enthused. Isn't he, isn't he just excited to be in that photo? Can't you just tell? He's just... That was my first husband, by the way. So in the, in the background there, there's that lovely poo-brown car, you know, and I think it was a Datsun something. Somebody might know what model it was. But uh, it was a choice model, that one. Um, I had to lift the bonnet at 6 o'clock in the morning when I went to go to early shift nursing because the flywheel would get stuck and it would make this really loud noise and a neighbour had abused me several times about waking him up with it. Um, and this, the, the front passenger seat was in permanent recline. So I used to drive like this. I'm really short, trust me, you know. Um, and uh, just um, not long before we were due to, you know, trying to head overseas, someone had driven into the back of the car, a bus actually, driven into the back of the car. Steve didn't care about the car, but his precious guitar, is it that one? No, it's not that one, was in the boot. He, all he did was he just got out of the car and went, my guitar! And the poor bus driver goes, what? You know, like, I just hit your car, mate. What are you talking about, a guitar? But anyway, so we were decided that going overseas... Being in a spirit of generosity, there was no point selling this thing because it wasn't worth anything. Who'd want it? We'll give it away. So my mother's visiting from interstate and she's... Um, I don't know how you describe my mother, um, but she didn't quite agree with our lifestyle of living by faith and believing God through prayer that he would provide. In fact, it was probably the opposite is where she stood. Anyway, so Steve gets a phone call. And I'm in the lounge room with my mum and we're listening to the phone call and he's going, no, 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 we're not going to sell the car. It's not worth anything. You can have it. No, 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 I don't want $500 for the car. I'm telling you, it's not worth anything. You can have it. What do you mean $1,000? I'm not taking $1,000 for this car. I keep telling you, you can have it. All right, all right, okay, I'm not going to argue anymore. We'll take $1,500 for the car. 
That is a true story. My mother, imagine the eyes. That was, you remember Steve's story of the $2,000 check in the mail with my mother? Well, this is another one. My poor mother, she just kept shaking her head at what God did with us, I'm sure. We learned about generosity in a very real way. We received it, but we also participated in help provide it to other people. The meaning of generous, can we pop that up? The meaning of being generous. Show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. To show kindness towards others. Some cinnamons. What did I just say? Cinnamons. Cinnamons. Liberality. Lavishness. Magnanimous. There you go. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Open-handedness. I love that. Open-handedness. Free-handedness. Bounty. Unselfishness. That's what generosity means. And I think those words adequately describe what the spirit of generosity is all about. And the church in Antioch was a generous church. How were they generous? The first way that they were generous is they were generous with their faith. The church in Antioch was started when the persecution happened in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, and they went out and a couple of them arrive in Antioch and they start preaching to the Jews because this faith that they had was a Jewish faith. It was a Jewish sect. So they preached to those that they'd been preaching to in Jerusalem, to the Jews. They were doing exactly what they'd done in Jerusalem. That's what they did when they arrived in Antioch. But then there was a couple of rebels that arrived in the midst. You've got to love the rebels, haven't you? So in Acts chapter 11... Verses 20, it says there were some who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Greeks. Oh my goodness me, they went outside of their cultural boundaries. They went outside of their religious boundaries. They actually suddenly went, hang on a minute, I'm actually not just going to talk to the Jew, I'm going to talk to the Greek. I'm going to talk to the Gentile, the unclean one. I'm going to break down a barrier and I'm going to cross that barrier and I'm actually going to reach out. And I'm going to share this faith, this faith that's transformed my life, that's changed me, that's set my world upside down. I'm going to share that with the other. They chose not to hold it in amongst themselves, in amongst their own religious group, their own cultural group. They chose to go beyond the boundary. Verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. There was a result of that. The result of them being generous with their faith, the result of them actually going beyond the border of their, what they knew, what they were comfortable with, what they were familiar with, the, the result was that people actually got saved, that people turned and believed in their God. Remember, the definition of generous is to show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. Was it necessary for them to share the gospel with the Gentiles? Was it expected of them to share the gospel with the Gentiles? It definitely wasn't expected. It wasn't something that was expected. The church in Antioch was birthed out of a heart that wanted to go beyond and give to those that were outside of who they were 
the same thing that they were enjoying. The believers in Antioch followed the example of Jesus. Jesus broke out of the religious barriers. He mixed with the tax collector and the sinner. And we all know the scribes and the Pharisees really didn't like the way Jesus lived his life. Jesus broke out of the cultural barriers. He, he talked with a woman. Whoa! He talked with a woman at a well who was a Samaritan, who was unclean, who was a sinner. The church and the believers in Antioch were following the example of Jesus. They broke out of the bounds of religious and cultural restraint, just like Jesus had Are you generous with your faith? Do you go beyond your borders, your cultural and religious borders? Do you go beyond to the other? Do you step outside that which you are comfortable in? Are you one who, like those in Antioch, who are generous with your faith? Secondly, the church in Antioch was generous with their resources. It's probably something that most of you would be aware of about the church in Antioch, that some prophets came down from Jerusalem and Agabus, uh, one of the prophets, declared there was going to be a severe famine. And the church in Antioch weighed up this message and decided that, yes, we would participate and we would give and we would, you know, take out of what we have, and we would help the church in Jerusalem. The backstory is so that the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, had a little bit of tension. You know, it was a bit like Mother Church, you know, checking out the guys down the road and making sure they're doing it all right. Paul, why is he here today? Hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's that, you know, it's that kind of thing is, you know, they're, they're, if you read through, there is definitely some tension. There is some theological conflict happening between Antioch and Jerusalem because Antioch were preaching to the Gentiles. <gasps> You've got to understand, this is really radical stuff for the day. But irrelevant of the fact that Antioch and Jerusalem were having some tension and some conflict... Antioch said, we're going to bless you anyway. We're going to give because there's a need. We're going to look beyond our theological stance and and what we believe in and we're going to look and meet the human need that is out there. What we believe, whether it's different or not, is not why we're going to give. We're going to give out of a generous heart because there's a need, because there are people who are going to starve. There is a great famine and we're going to give out of that. You know, Jesus showed us that example of generosity in giving. He turned the water into wine. He broke bread and there were, you know, fish and loaves and there were basketfuls left over. Jesus showed us an example of the nature and character of God. That's part of why Jesus came, to show us who the Father was. And part of that example was showing us the generous nature of our God. You know, the church in Antioch was not a church that was just a me, me, me. Meet my needs, it's all about me. 
look after me. That was not what they were. They were a church who said, I'll help those even if they're different from me, even if they think differently, even if they have a different political view or theological view or ethnic view or cultural view or religious view. I'm going to help them because they're in need. Love wins. How generous are you with your resources? And are you generous with your resources to those that are not like you, that don't think like you, that don't believe like you? Or do you just contain it to those that are just like you? It's an interesting thing to think about. And the third thing that the church in Antioch were generous with was with their best. You know, uh, we know the story that Barnabas came down to Antioch and Mike preached a great message about Barnabas and it'll be on the podcast if you, wanna, if you didn't hear that message. But Barnabas, you know, saw that the church needed something more than just his ministry. And so he went and got uh, Saul, who later became known as Paul, And he'd been converted about eight years earlier and he'd been preaching in Syria. So they came and together they stayed in the church. And it says in Acts 11, 26, that for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. So not only were they kind of key into the life of the church, but as we can see from, you know, scripture, they were their best. These were were pretty incredible people. They were of incredible calibre, and we can see that by what they go on to do. And Acts 13, verses 1 to 3, tells us the story of how the prophets and the teachers, the leaders in the church in Antioch were gathered, and they were worshipping God, and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit said, I love that, worshipping, praying, fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, He said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Paul for the work that I've called them to do. Give me your best. Let them go. Release them. Because I've got something for them to do out there. Let them go. So how did the church in Antioch respond? Did they respond like a lot of us probably internally would respond? God saying something like that. Did they try to cling on to and hold on to their best? Did they kind of think, well, if they go, what's going to happen to the church? I mean, oh my goodness me, who's going to preach on Sunday? And, and uh, who's, who's going to be the encourager? And oh my goodness me, and who's going to do all this teaching and, and, and disciple all these young ones that are coming through? We're not going to cope. You know, the church is going to fall apart. Did they think like that? Or did they obey? And as it says in verse 3, they laid hands on them and sent them off. The church in Antioch, was very generous with their best. A guy called Jeff Og, Iog, I don't know how you pronounce it, but there we go, wrote a book called The Case for Antioch, and he says this, The gospel spread across the Mediterranean world. Churches were started in major cities. The Christian movement gained an irrevocable foothold among Gentiles, all because Antioch gave away its best leaders. You know, if you look through the book of Acts and even later on into the New Testament, there are no negative references to Antioch, which is part of the reason 
We call it the Dream Church. There were no letters written by Paul back to the church bringing correction or discipline or adjustment. You see Paul and Barnabas and then later on just, you know, Paul and his team coming back in and, and, and letting Antioch know what has happened because they let go of their best. You know, the church actually coped sending out their best. The church continued on and was strong and it was faithful. Our dream, Steve's and my dream, has always been our dream that we would be able to resource and send out our best and plant churches and send out people out into you know, the nations to bring, bring the gospel, bring the kingdom of heaven out. That is our dream. Our dream is not to grow a huge church that's fantastic because, you know, we're just blessing the click. Our dream, and my, well, my dream, I don't know, I won't speak for him, but I think he agrees. My dream is that we bless not just those here, but the nations through who we are and what we do, that we're able to do that. You know, John 3.16, we know that verse so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God gave of his best to us. God sent his son for us. God gave his best and the church in Antioch did likewise. They gave their best. I've got another quote from this book. The church in Antioch modelled generosity. It was a young church with compassion for others and passion for spreading the gospel. These convictions express themselves in tangible gifts of money and people that are an example for churches in every generation. The church in Antioch was a generous church. And these are just those that are written. I'm sure there were more. In Acts 11, 26, the last part of that verse, it says this, and it says, in, And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And I know Steve desires to do a little bit more on discipleship in this series, but, you know, you could rephrase that to say, in Antioch, the disciples were first called little Christ. They didn't just believe in Jesus. They actually followed Jesus. They lived out their faith. They expressed their faith in reality. There was tangible evidence that they were like Christ, that they were a little Christ. And that is evident through their generosity. The church in Antioch was generous with their faith. They went beyond their borders, what they knew, what they were comfortable with. They dared to step outside. They were generous with their resources. They didn't just look after themselves. They didn't just look after the widow and the orphan in their midst, but they went beyond, even looking after those who they didn't really agree with, who doctrinally they felt perhaps a little bit of tension with. They chose to give beyond themselves. And the church in Antioch was generous with their best. They didn't stay focused on their own needs, but they chose to see the bigger picture. They chose to look beyond at the kingdom of God. 
you know, I know that my time in life and aid opened up my eyes to the whole aspect of generosity, particularly in the realm of finances and possessions. But, you know, part of what I believe a church is called to do is to open up our eyes to the needs that are out there beyond our borders because we are all guilty of getting caught up in our own little world and what's going on around me and my family and mine. You know what I mean? It's so easy to get focused down here. And part of what church is to do is to rattle your cage and to irritate you by opening up your eyes and going, you know what, there's more out there. There's more out there. There's refugees out there that are in desperate need. There There are people sleeping on the streets. You know, there is so much need out there and we can so get down here. And that is part of what church is called to do is say, hey, look up, open up your eyes. There's much more out there. I want to challenge you to think on those questions. How generous are you with your faith? How generous are you with your resources? How generous are you with your best. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Are you doing a song? Yeah?